Hey guys, Dustin Wynn, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman DC Comics podcast with no limits. Uh, we're going to be rolling out with a new episode of The Stack tonight. I got Robin D. Cross in Canada this evening. <laughs> I am uh, Bat Force Tom over in sunny Southern California. And uh, we have a nice big old stack of new comics um, to go over tonight. Uh, and kind of like what, we're, what we've been doing is we don't... We can't read everything. We can't go over everything, even though we want to. Um, we just kind of uh, read the stuff that jumps out at us, new books, things that we've been really into. So this is just the stuff that we're reading. By no means is this the best stuff that they're probably is probably being put out there by DC Comics, but it's definitely the stuff you should be checking out because uh, yeah. it's the stuff that you know we all really like and the artists that we like to follow, the writers that we like to follow. Um, and what's really cool is... If you are reading along, uh, it's just basically kind of like another way of refreshing what's going on in the storylines. If you're someone who doesn't read comics and are, is trying to jump in, this is kind of like uh, we're just giving you like, all right, this is what's out this week, and this is what you should definitely check out. And and, I, and if there's something that we're not covering yeah. uh, month by month, week by week, uh, you know, shoot us a message and say, hey, give this uh, give this book some attention because yeah, we we can't cover everything. A book that might take you 10 minutes to read we're liable to spend an hour and a half talking yeah. about it like that happened all the like with every issue of white knight we seem to talk about it for an hour and a half yeah everything else takes a back seat <laughs> if there's something really good out and that's all we want to talk about or if we have that artist or writer on talking about it obviously yeah um which we've had so go back and check out those episodes um and check out the artists and the writers talking about their own work most recently we've had uh Jason Fabic talking about uh, the Three Joker story that he's doing. Um, we've had uh, Sean Gordon Murphy. We've had Brian Edward Hill, uh, Lee Bermejo. Man, it's been a good year. But anyway, speaking of uh, speaking of Sean Murphy, a very well crafted segue. Uh, he's been posting, <laughs> yeah, panels of this quote secret project, <laughs> uh, like a lot of them. Yeah, uh, a lot of pictures of Batman and Commissioner Gordon and Joker, Joker. <laughs> and uh, one of the recent ones. Uh, I don't remember what the image was, but Batman. his caption was, uh, "I don't care if this is the worst kept secret in comics." <laughs> yeah, and he says, uh, "To hell with the repercussions or to hell with consequences." <laughs> so, and I don't doubt that he doesn't give a fuck, and he's literally no. just yeah. Like, well, they... the dude put a spoiler for White Knight Volume One in the cover art yeah. for issue one. Yeah, he, he he's the kind of dude that just kind of does what the fuck he wants, and then, you know, he asks for he asks for forgiveness rather than for permission. 
So, yeah. um, but no, he he doesn't really ask for forgiveness either. No, yeah, he just <laughs> he basically says fuck you. Yeah, if if you guys didn't listen to the, it was actually two episodes that uh, that Sean was on. on uh, he detailed uh, the way he worked for for uh, White Knight Volume One, and basically to get away with the crazy stuff. Yeah, uh, that he knew if he asked for permission, they'd tell him no. He just didn't show anybody anything until he had done about five issues. So, uh, yep. if if you didn't listen to that, uh, go go check it out. It was a really fun talk, and uh, heard some really candid uh, thoughts and opinions from Sean on that. One of the greatest uh, guests we've ever had on the podcast, and regardless of if you've read his stuff or never heard of him or love him, it's an absolutely fantastic and interesting listen. So definitely check that out. Um, what do we got tonight? We uh, Oh, big, big, big number one thing that we've been waiting for for a while since it was announced. Huge. Batman Kings of Fear number one uh, drops this week. And uh, interior artwork by one of our absolute favorite artists, Kelly Jones. Uh, This is written by Scott Peterson. And correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Scott Peterson, uh, I believe, is the gentleman who um, murdered his wife, I think. I'm pretty uh, sure, yes. Uh, It's nice to see that you found uh, a new calling. And I didn't know they allowed you to write for comics from Death Row. Um, Did they already kill that dude? Uh, we might be confusing our Scott, Scott Petersons, but... Um, it could be, but it would make sense that he didn't have fuck all else to do but write <laughs> comics. Yeah, and if anybody's going to write, like, a horror-inspired scary stuff, it's going to be the dude that killed his wife just so he could get away with, like, not having to have a kid with her and then date some chick on the side. Anyways, um, that aside, you know, oh, I, wow. we, we, try, we try not to judge the artist by his personal life but, and only the merits of his art, so that's why we're going to go ahead and review this anyway. But uh, Batman Kings of Fear, it's the first time that Kelly Jones has, he's been, he had done like uh, covers and like anniversary things here and there, but this is the first uh, issue, no, no, he did something, he did like, what was it, Swamp Thing, yeah, what was it? He did, he did, he did that, uh, the Dead Man. That's what it was. I think, wasn't there a Dead Man issue he had done? And yeah, maybe the, uh, maybe he did the Swamp Thing uh, yeah, he did book do... that came out, I don't know, in the last, within the last year or two. Yeah, he was on Swamp Thing. I think that was the the last yeah. DC like ongoing. Even though I think it was a mini run, I think it was like I can't remember if it was like eight or twelve issues. But um, yeah, he did that for a while. But I remember, you know, I mean, if anybody who's been reading comics for a while um, knows, Kelly Jones had some of the most uh, iconic images from the Nightfall run and that era and uh, when Azrael took over in the 90s um, he has such an incredible gothic uh, horror themed style that uh, it's you immediately know who it is um, and you know it's it's kind of uh, I guess I wouldn't say an acquired taste I think I think most people that read comics and enjoy the art like his stuff um, I don't think there's many yeah, he does uh, like a lot of uh, exaggerated proportions and yeah. expressions it certainly works for Gotham City and for Batman. Um, it translates well for that stuff, so I think most Batman fans enjoy it. Uh, there are some people here and there who say that it's just a little too much. Um, you know, maybe their the disco his disco Nightwing isn't necessarily for them. Uh, members, I like to call those people wrong. <laughs> members of our group included, um, but. Uh, <laughs> 
anyhow, uh, majority of us are absolutely massive Kelly Jones fans, so it was like going through this book this week was like, oh my god, this is so, I like every oh, yeah. time I turn. Yeah, he he ha- he hasn't changed anything. Like the, this book, like looks like it came out of the nineties. Who did the colors in this? Let me see here. Michael Michelle Madsen. So Michelle Madsen. Um, that's the thing that I noticed is it's obviously his pencils that look exactly the same from the 90s, but the colors really kind of made it pop a little more, I think. Um, yeah. Saying the colors maybe gave it just a little bit more of like a modern edge to his classic pencils, um, which was really cool to see. Yeah. But, dude, this cover, let's just, oh, my God, this cover alone of this issue. where Which one? The, uh, not the, in sick, the Kelly Jones cover yeah, or that Kelly. Bill Sinkiewicz variant. We'll get to that. Ooh. But uh, the Kelly Jones cover first. Um, like the dude, you know what I love is his Mr. Freeze looks exactly the fucking same from the 90s. Yeah. Like the way he makes yeah. his head look inside of the, uh, inside of his helmet where it's like it's like kind yeah, of like, how a it's like someone's it's like a head trapped in a lava lamp. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like Kane from uh, RoboCop 2 where it's it's almost just kind of <laughs> like this negative silhouette image, it's really awesome. Um I mean, I think my favorite thing that he draws is obviously Batman personally. Like just every every different way he draws Batman. Ugh, this cover looks amazing. I, I do I do love his Dead Man too. Dead Man's cool. Um, his Bane obviously is awesome because he draws an amazing broided out gigantic huge Bane which I'm kicking myself because when that black and white statue was out maybe like four or five years ago uh, it was still available in like comic shops I didn't buy it because it was so huge and it was like I think at the shop by me it was like a hundred and like I forgot what it went retail but it was like 160 at the shop and I was like yeah, it's, a bit, it's like almost double I'm like, I don't know. And then now it's impossible to find that fucking thing. So I'm really oh, yeah. pissing myself. It's nuts now. Yeah, we, uh, we had had one in the shop that someone brought in on trade. Yeah. And that came in at the point, that was at the point where I was still holding off getting black and white statues. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I knew what it was going to mean when I finally broke. Yep. And then I finally broke. Yeah. yeah. Now I wish I had the, the Bane to go with the Batman. Oh, so you, they they had the Batman that came in. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I I have the Batman. One. Yeah, yeah, the Bane. But, uh, is... Yeah, I, I I held off on the Bane. So. <sighs> Man. Well, anyways, this cover is freaking amazing, and then the sink the Bill Sinkovich uh, cover on the inside, a little black and white, um, Batman of the Gargoyle with the Spawn looking little curl on his cape, the bats in the background, yeah. just super iconic and awesome looking. Bill Sinkovich is. An insane artist too. His covers are crazy. His like he does watercolor stuff too that looks awesome. Mainly cover art, I think, is what he. And does. he does not only comic stuff, but he does, uh, like he does, celebrity uh, portraits and stuff too. Like oh, yeah. he just did one for Aretha Franklin uh, after she passed, and yeah, a lot of that stuff is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this issue. I mean, this is a great book. If anybody's just like just jumping into comics for the first time and you want something that's not necessarily tied into what's in continuity necessarily right now, this is a great book to pick up. It's issue number one. It's it's the number one issue. Um, Just jumping into a storyline. It's got classic villains in it. It's got amazing art. Um, It's got Arkham Asylum in it. 
uh, Batman beating the shit out of people inside of Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and then uh, you know what? Uh, the a lot of this book reminds me of uh, Arkham Asylum, the the video game. Yeah, especially because that starts off with yeah, it, it starts off with Batman. You know, has just apprehended Joker and brings him to the asylum. Right. In this, we we see the we see him doing the apprehending and then bringing him to the asylum. Right. And you know, some sort of similar stuff goes down. Yeah, and you, you get we get a nice little animated Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Animated series Batmobile by Kelly Jones, always awesome. Um, but yeah, it's uh, super, super iconic and uh, classic kind of theme of, like you say, Batman bringing Joker in and then dumping him off in Arkham. Because if you think about it, he won't kill the Joker. So how many dozens of times has he had to, to make that drive with Joker in the passenger seat, talking shit to him the whole way there, you know, trying to get into his head? Enough times, enough times that he's installed. Uh some gas to knock him out is that is right yeah um so yeah you know it's it's very similar to arkham asylum in that uh the i mean we're getting into spoilers fuck it we're gonna get the spoilers we'll get into spoilers for this one inmates break out all hell breaks loose lights go out um batman beats the shit out of everybody uh, is able to lock everybody up however the uh, one individual who gets away is uh, Dr. Crane, Scarecrow, who also takes a, um, what is it, a hostage with him, right? And uh, that's pretty much how the, oh, no, 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 at the very end he gets gassed, right? Doesn't Batman get gassed? Yeah, uh, Scarecrow shows up, and uh, and yeah, he gasses Batman. The last panel we see is like Batman symbolically falling with uh, Scarecrow's face in the background. I, I had to go back just now and flip through to make sure that's what had happened because uh, for a second I was like, okay, did he gas him or did he fart? I don't recall. But he definitely gassed. Uh, definitely gassed him with like a little ink, a little cartridge. But And and the, those last two pages in particular, well, like the last three pages, but in particular those last two pages are like quintessential Kelly Jones pages. Like yeah. the, those shots of Scarecrow and the Batman on there. And he he does that great Batman fear face. Yeah, definitely. I also love uh, seeing just the outline of the silhouette of his face. And it's like almost a blacked out face except for the white in his eyes. And just like when he's jumping into the Batmobile, when he's leaping out of uh, Arkham Asylum into the Batmobile, he just looks fucking so hulking and badass and like, monstrous um this this first issue just seemed like an excuse to let kelly jones just like like it's basically like all right here you go motherfuckers like here i'm back you know what i mean like that's what it felt like it felt like uh, the writer was just like just 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 go fucking all out like there's that one page that has all those overlapping panels where it's batman beating the shit out of the dudes in the warehouse yeah and that just looks like kelly jones just and- going off and that splash page that we've been uh, looking at in the in the chat, where when in the asylum after Batman has taken everyone out, and he's just standing there looking all grim, he's holding Joker and Penguin by by their collars, and everyone is just knocked out. He's Ivy and Riddler are frozen because he used Freeze's gun against them. Yeah, 
that that's just an amazing page. Yeah, that is a that is a wallpaper for your iPhone right there for your whatever cell phone you're using. Yeah. As I was reading mm-hmm. through this article, uh, or article, as I was reading through this issue, I I just like all right, I'm saving this picture, saving this picture, saving this picture, just screenshotting like every page, pretty much every other page it seemed like because it's just like. Every, there's so many there's so many pages that could be covers in this issue alone, you know, like the one that you're oh, talking yeah. about. Um, just like damn, and he's been working on this for months, I know. So I think like he's had the ability to kind of have time on his side, um, to really kind of put in some of the detail. And I know that what what he likes to do is um, Kelly Jones is a big uh, like foreground guy. Where he, you know, it's predominantly like foreground what he's working on, not so much background. A lot of it sometimes is kind of like in silhouette. Um, but what's really cool to see is that there's a lot of detail in some of these background pages and images. Um, Arkham Asylum's in the background. He's got all the tiles and all the cracks and everything, and um, this, you know, the cells and the silhouette of him driving up to Arkham and stuff like that. So it's cool to see Kelly Jones having time to really, especially inside the Batmobile too. That was kind of cool to see all the little details of art. Um, how many issues is this going to be? Let me see here. Is it 12 issues? Sus. Only six. Oh, it's only six. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Monthly, six issues. All right, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it, Kelly Jones. And in, if if they all feel as quick as this, this issue did, then that's going to be a, a series that blows by. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad this one's monthly so we get to savor it. Sometimes but for uh, for as much as happened in the issue, it, like it, it felt like you read it in about thirty seconds. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I I've probably read it like at least twice or three times because I was just just going over every page and all the art. Um, the story is it's so I mean it's only issue number one. Not too complex of a story. It's pretty classic and and, and standard Batman, Arkham Asylum story, but I love that it is basically a vehicle for the artwork so far. Um, I would not mind if it stayed that way, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. if, uh, Mr. Peterson wants to go down a crazy rabbit hole of fear toxin, I'm down with that too. Um, I purposely kind of kept away from reading anything about the series just because I want to just kind of enjoy it as it comes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, man, this is number one pickup for the week. Would you say? Uh, it, it's definitely in contention. But there were there were some other things that I was waiting for this week too, so cool. it's it's tough. If you're on a budget uh, and you can afford maybe like at least three or four issues, this one definitely you should grab. I would say. For um, sure. What would be your number one of the week? Let's go over that one next. Mm. Uh, probably because of the buildup and having been having been waiting for the end of uh, the end of this arc. Uh, probably going to go with Detective Comics 987. There we go. So this is uh, Brian Edward Hill's final uh, issue on Detective. Uh, And speaking of people that we had had on the show, Brian Hill was on uh, just, what, like maybe a month or two ago? Maybe two months ago? Was it only that Uh, long ago? Just before his detective arc started. Yeah, it it can't have been too long ago because he was on just before his arc started. I think it's maybe you know, it's probably around two months because a month ago was San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe around two months. So yeah, a couple months ago. But uh, this is his last issue, and 
if uh, if you've been keeping up, basically his arc started with Batman enlisting Black Lightning because he felt he needed, for as much as he could train uh, the members of the Bat family, so Barbara, Cass, Duke, uh, as much as he could train them to do the things that he needs them to do, he felt that they needed a teacher. Mm. Uh, seems so, and that's what that's what Jefferson Pierce does. You know, well, he's a, a principal now, I believe, at the school he teaches at. But you know, he, that's that's been his life, aside from being a superhero. So the story began with that, and in the issue previous to this one, when they needed some more help with the character they were dealing with, uh, his name was Karma. They enlisted Katana. So mm. by the end of this issue, what it's really looking like, and we can't confirm this, I did bother Brian Hill a little bit about this. I talked to him a little, very briefly after reading the issue. Hassled him. Uh, what it's, yes, that's, that's how I would best put it. Uh, it really looks by the end of this issue like we're going to see some kind of iteration of the Outsiders. Mm-hmm. So uh, if anyone doesn't know, you know, the Outsiders were back in comics when Batman first left the Justice League. They, you know, they did that issue where right on the front cover, it, it was those, the text covers that Clark Bull loves, uh, where Batman said right on the cover that he's, he's quitting the Justice League and here's his new team. And he was leading this team. It was the Outsiders. Nice. So as you have uh, Katana and uh, you know, sometimes Black Lightning was around there and Geoforce and who else was in the Outsiders? Now there were, you know, it was it was his own uh, his own new team that he that he was running. A real who's so now who. we're seeing it. Yes, exactly. So it's looking a lot like that, you know. So we could end up seeing uh, a, an Outsiders team that. Could potentially be Black Lightning, Katana, uh, Barbara, Cassandra, and Duke, and I'd be really cool with uh, with reading that. Yeah, dude, I am not mad at that lineup. Not at all. Not at all. Can we? Can we? And now, do you want to talk about? I was just going to say, let's not brush over the variant covers to this run. By yeah, Mark Brooks. That's exactly where I was just Is that going. What you say? I was gonna say you want to talk about covers. Jesus Christ. Yeah, every every cover this guy has been doing looks like a movie poster. Yeah. This guy's gotta he's gotta work like mainly digital, right? I don't understand how you can be this good yep. like yeah. just doing like pencils and inks and like just fucking smashing it out of the park every month. Or every two weeks, rather. Yeah. Didn't he? Did he start? And uh... he sort of has that thing going, at least on this uh, issue and the previous one, I believe, where he he tends to do that picture in a picture. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know, like this one. You have Batman landing on the roof of the car, you yeah. know, with the the whole cityscape behind them. It's nighttime, and there's the streetlights and pol- police sirens. But that's all within Batman, like the shadow of Batman's cape in a larger picture where Batman's like out in the sun. 
Dude, okay, so this specific cover that you're describing, this is the kind of cover, like, I'm. this is advice for the, the listeners and the readers. This is what you if, you, if you can find this as far as, like, as a print by, if he's at a con or whatever, if it's at his store, you buy this and you frame it, you put it over your bed, and you, you then... You, you bring home a male, female, whatever your persuasion may be, and you smash with this over your bed so that they know what you're about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, that's the kind, like, when I see this, I'm like, this... This, 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 is, this, this is a baby-making cover. Yes. Like, <laughs> it makes me mad. It makes me mad that this guy thinks he can just, like, do that. You know? Like, the fact that I'm like, who the fuck does this guy think? Who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like... He can't just be doing these covers and then, like, think he's not going to... Man. And it, I almost, like, don't want him to do interiors because it's, like... You sound like Peter Griffin when he's talking about Lindsay Lohan. You know, she's up there <laughs> on the screen shaking her stuff. And I'm, what, what? What? Do you want a date? What do you, what do you want? What do you want, huh? You want to you want a date? Yeah, it's just, like... It's nutty, man. I, one of my favorite ones is, like, it looks like he's inside the Batcave inside of, like, a where all his suits are and he's like just suited up and he's got the suits surrounding him it's just like insane this guy and this oh, one specific yeah. i hope matt reeves is looking at this cover and uh saying to himself like damn this is something i'd like to recreate but anyhow with <laughs> with ben affleck yeah ben Hooflick. <laughs> Yeah. side note i just rewatched uh the last two uh planet of the apes movies again uh, for the first time since probably like when they first came out, and god damn, those are good movies. Super, super awesome, awesome movies. That guy can knows how to write a script. So if yeah. he can, and, if... and I love that uh, they're not rushing into his Batman. Movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're taking some time and doing it. Yeah, even to the point where like you know they put a script in front of him written by Affleck, and he's like, nah, fuck that. I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with. Like if he if he made if he makes a Batman movie half as good as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, like you can fucking rip up any script you want. As long as you write something like close to as good as that. Cause it was just like such a fucking awesome movie. But um anyhow, um Yeah, you wanna you wanna get But into yeah, Detective a... Comics, uh yeah, so uh let's not uh forget about the creative team on this. Uh as we mentioned, this was Brian Hill's uh, final issue, and uh, Miguel Mendonca, if I'm saying his name anywhere near right, uh, the, the art in this has been fantastic as well. Yeah, very cool art. I uh, and he and he gets a really uh, he gets a really interesting cast of characters uh, to play with here. Yeah, you know, you're drawing Batman, and Katana, Black Lightning, and then you get Duke in there, and Cass, and and Babs. So he's he's got a whole lot of a whole lot of different stuff going on. He gets to do. Um, he, Brian but, uh, Brian started on nine eighty four, right? And this one is the last one. Yes, this is his final. Yeah. So if anybody's listening, this is a great. You could just jump into this four issues. No, you know, it's nothing. Um, so grab them, check them out for sure, because it's it's a great little story. Yeah, really good. Introduced. Uh, he got to introduce a new villain. And uh, so in this issue, we finally see Batman finally gets to just, you know, he basically uses the team to, to handle the other stuff that's going on. 
you know, handle the rest of the situation while he goes toe to toe with the villain and uh, takes care of business. Nice. TCB. But uh, there is a there's a, a page in this because so this this villain Karma, he has this helmet that he wears that is basically why he's been able to give Batman problems through this arc. Uh, it lets him read people's thoughts and you know predict what they're going to do. So that's why he's been putting a whooping on everybody. Mm. But there's a scene in this in this issue, particularly one page, where uh, Batman uses that to just melt his brain, you know, like just lets him have all of his memories as a distraction so he can start putting a whooping on him. So there's this page that's, you know, splintered fragments and you're just seeing memories like you, know, you see the bats, you know, that, that he was afraid of as a kid. Joker killing Jason Todd, Joe, Joe Chill killing his parents, Harvey Dent getting burned, becoming Two-Face. There's uh, a shot of Selina because you know, it is, even though this is separate from... Uh, from the main Batman title, you do feel like Batman is like Bruce is hurting yeah. in in this timeline too. So there, there's a frame there of Catwoman. There's a frame of Roz. We've got Bane in there. So it's just a really cool uh, collection of of Batman history uh, that he just dumped into this guy's brain. I got a quick question. I know some of the some of the listeners are probably going to ask the same thing. Uh, with that sequence, you know, the flooding of the memories and it kind of using that to kind of overreact uh, and distract. Um, you mentioned uh, Joker killing Jason Todd, right? How mm-hmm. how can Joker kill himself if Joker is Jason Todd? <laughs> and that's, so that's a good question you bring up. Maybe it's something that we got to directly uh, uh, talk about with Brian because um, that just confuses me a bit, knowing that, you know... Um, the Joker isn't really the Joker, but he is Jason Todd coming back as the Joker. It's just I don't know how that makes sense or how he would be in that same memory. Anyways, we'll get to it. I don't know. It's just yeah, I th- I, th- I think it's something we all need to talk about over tacos. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's a good idea, uh, man. So okay, well I hope your theory's right because uh, I don't want to see Brian leaving DC yeah. Comics anytime soon. And yeah, absolutely. Uh... Yeah, he's. Uh, I think this could be one of those things. You know, every guy has every every writer, every artist, sort of has that one thing that got them like noticed, and then like, okay, everybody wants this guy now. Like Tom King, it was that Vision miniseries that he did over at Marvel, mm-hmm. and it was when that was kicking ass that DC signed him to an exclusive to, to take over Batman. Right. Yeah, and th- this could be that thing for Brian Hill, you know, a lot of people taking notice of him now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a huge thing to pick up where, um, uh, what's his name? Tynion, where Tynion left off because Tynion built yeah. this, he, he built this entire run of Detective and he kind of made this team and, you know, he, he, he built this huge little uh, this whole mini like 
this whole mini story. I mean, it wasn't mini; it was huge. He built like this gigantic story into into a run of his for Detective, and created this like new little chapter for Batman. So when we heard that he was going to get pulled off the book, we were like, oh man, we were all kind of pissed off, and not pissed off, but disappointed, you know, because he was doing such a good job with the book, and we were like, oh man, he's going to take over, and we were excited at the same time. Yeah, and and it and it, it was it, it's not even that he was getting pulled off per se. You know, yeah. this was scheduled to be his run was just just to be this arc right um and then he also had i think i think they'd always planned for him to have a bigger hand in the overarching dc universe with the justice league or with yeah the justice league dark and with helping with uh, metal and uh some of the other stuff that he's been doing with snyder so he was always meant to get there um but you know it's 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 always a bummer when you got somebody you really like writing a book that's going to come off of it but being that being said the fact that Brian came on and wrote the story that he did which was like it gave it gave respect to what Tynan did but it was something completely his own was perfect yeah and he and he did a, a great job of making it something that flowed from Tynan's run yeah you know it it, it followed you know it it felt uh, like an organic next, you know, next step, right? From where James left off, right? And it also it it leads right into what the next uh, arc will be. And if you check the the very last page, uh, where all the books say, you know, either to be continued or you know the end or next in, this one says to be continued dot 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 very very soon. Mm. And then under that, it says next in Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. So, sort of referencing two separate things coming up. Yeah. So, seemingly to suggest that there's going to be something continuing with some of the characters that we saw together in this. And then the next story in Detective Comics is something else. Yeah. So, it's like uh, putting, your, putting but, some eggs in this basket over here, but you still got some in this one over there. Exactly, and I'm sure as soon as something is uh, able to be confirmed, we'll all hear something from the Hill administration. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Happy for uh, happy to see him do so well in this run and get so much respect that he has. And it was awesome to see him on the panel. It was a, uh, I think it was what panel was it? I think it was just, uh, I think it was just a DC was it DC Universe? I think it was DC Universe panel, and he was up there with um, Joel Jones. And Tom King, um, Mitch Garrods. Who else was he up there with? Uh, Clay Mann. He was up there with Eisner winners. Yeah, man. That was the night. That was the night of the Eisners too. So um, it was really cool to see him sitting up there with everybody else. So it's like they know he's got a place, and they were respecting the fact that he's done a pretty good job with the, with the book. So um, very cool to see him. Hopefully, we have him around for much longer. But. Uh, all right, that's Detective. What else we got? We had... Uh, what else did you get on this one after that? Uh, I think you got... Uh, you read Action Comics, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Action Comics, so weird. Issue 1002. Um, it's, is, it, is, it, is it weird for you? Like It's weird for me seeing issues come out with that many numbers on the front of them. Well, it's never happened before, right? Ever. Like seeing a 1,002, yeah, it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. It's literally the first time in comic book history that that has happened. So, um, 
it's pretty fucking cool though to see it. I mean, and at some point, I hope you know, unless unless we get another uh, reboot, Detective's gonna get there pretty soon too. Um, yeah, Detective is what less at at biweekly. It's less than a year away from that. Yeah, so I hope they plan something pretty big for that. They did a really cool thing with the Action Comics. Uh, was it was it nine 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 or was it issue one thousand where they went all out? I think it was issue one thousand, wasn't it? That seems like a long time ago. For uh... Action, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, it was the big one that. Uh, yeah, that's... you're talking about uh, Action One Thousand. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's... that was when they had like uh, Scott wrote a story in it, Tom wrote a story in it. That's why I was like, why did it seem so long ago? Because they had that come out, and then they had the Man of Steel four part mini after that, right? Yes, that's why. Yes, okay. that's why. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, why did that seem so long ago? Um, so anyhow... that, that was and that was even that Man of Steel that was six issues even, so it was even longer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was. So it was like a month and a half after that one issue and then there's been there's been one oh one and now this. Um and I know yeah. that when they first announced uh Brian Michael Bendis coming over to uh DC, the first question everyone had was, Well, what's he gonna write? And that was kind of up in the air for like months because he got sick. So they didn't announce anything until yeah. I think he got a little bit better. And uh, everyone was kind of like just like waiting on bated breath to figure out what he was going to write. And another situation similar to like the detective. And there, there were rumors going around. Like there were there were rumors swirling that he was going to be doing something with the Watchmen and this right. and that. Yeah. Well, we knew he was a big enough name to where they weren't going to give him something small. Um, you, you know, because they basically stole him from – he was one of the like top four, five or top three writers over at uh, – uh, Marvels because they had the big one is what um, after Hickman left Hickman was like their their boy for a while I would probably think that Dan Slott is pretty big up there because he'd been writing Spider Man for like over ten years um, who else is, Jason Aaron is big time over there um, who else uh, Bendis and there's one other that's been on there been been ongoing for a while but anyhow one of the huge names out of Marvel um, hadn't written for DC like with a contract like that before totally stole stole him from the uh, rival team and um he definitely has his own style of writing um his 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 writing has kind of like uh it's kind of got like its own like it's not the same i just want to compare it to something um oh like tom king tom king definitely has a style of his own right um, so Bendis also has a style of his own. It's different than, obviously very different than Tom King's, but it's very much like a Bendis style of writing. And I think a lot of people were worried about him coming to DC and taking a character or a book and like, I don't know, messing with it or making it something that they didn't like with his style. But what he's done, at least with action comics, um, has been, it's been perfect, I think, because when I read it, especially this issue, 102, 1002 rather, um, the majority of it, I think, was Clark Kent more so than Superman, this issue. And uh, he's really building up um, Clark's character and showing Superman kind of more as like the action side of it. And Clark is, especially in this issue, is kind of like on a on a assignment for Perry White. Uh, so he's got to kind of do his investigative journalism work. Um, but when you read, when I read it at least, what I read, it's almost as if he's writing the Christopher Reeve Superman, uh, Clark Kent, and so when when I'm reading it, like the way he acts, his mannerisms, it's very much like that, where he's like a goof, and I know that's normally how they write him, 
but I feel like he's really kind of hitting that mark with this Clark Kent, um, where he's just oh. really, really being this character of Clark Kent, and then switching it off, and then being completely Superman when he's Superman, and showing that this this very hard dichotomy between the two, and uh, not breaking character when he's Clark Kent at all. Like he's just through and through Clark Kent when he's Clark Kent. Um, so it really feels like this. It's almost like you're reading an ongoing series in that universe with uh, with that character. Uh, obviously, there's other characters in the background that are a little bit more updated and stuff like that. But I love I love that that that's kind of like the sense I'm getting out of his Clark Kent and um, his Superman's just kicking ass most of the time. Uh, and this is a cool storyline too. Um, there's some gangster stuff going on. Um, there's doing there's doing some really cool stuff with Lois Lane and uh, and John essentially Jor-El coming back and um, telling him that he needs to protect uh, Lois and John and John needs to learn the ways of the Krypton the Kryptonian so he takes him off and on this kind of like journey and uh, right now um, they basically have lost connection with Clark and so he's kind of freaked the fuck out with what's going on there there's all these fires at the meantime going on where Superman's being distracted by all these like arsons that he has to kind of uh, deal with and they're showing you a little bit more depth as to what's happening and um the fact that the mob's involved and there's this other bitch of a journalist who's like getting all up in clark's <laughs> shit and all up in lois lane's business oh yeah and um yeah so it's really cool i really like what he's doing with it uh again this was something that i think uh dan jurgens was writing action comics before uh bendis took over and jurgens was really doing some cool stuff with action comics making it very much a space book with superman interacting with all these different characters over the multiverse uh, like booster gold uh zod jor-el it was just all these characters coming in that was really awesome to see him interact with so that was a bummer to see dan jurgens kind of leave but um i really like what bendis is doing as far as uh, on action comics uh, so far, so it's cool. I dig it. Um, I would recommend anyone go pick up uh, issue one thousand, and then one thousand and one, and then one thousand two. Um, also, if you want to catch up to uh, the Bendis stuff, I would I would check out the Man of Steel work that he did, and uh, Jason Fabic was doing a killer job with the interiors on that too. Uh, some of the pages that he was working on, so good stuff, man. I dig it. It was cool, and. Um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting because I, when Jurgens was writing action comics, I almost looked forward to that book sometimes more than some of the other things that I was reading. Um, and I, I I look forward to the next issue of uh, of action comics now with this issue because this issue was pretty nutty. Like it's you got to read it. I don't want to spoil too much. There's too many layers to really get into it. Um, a lot of stuff's happening. Um, they make reference to Red Tornado. The Guardian is in this. So that's what's cool is Dan Jerkins was bringing back a lot of these old like characters from like um, from like the DC universe that weren't really getting played with too much, and so it, it looks like Bendis is doing the same thing a little bit with different characters. I, I love seeing that a lot. So it's going good. <clears throat> so that's action. What else we got here? Uh, you did the old uh, Teen <coughs> Titans. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's go I'll switch over. I had a Justice League Dark open. Oh, sh- you want to do that first? Times. I almost forgot completely about Justice League Dark. Doesn't matter. Let's do Jail yeah, Dark. Dark first. Cool. 
right. So Justice League Dark is this is a, this is issue two, uh, written by James Tynan. Uh, this is what he stepped off of Detective Comics to to take up. So this follows the events of Metal and No Justice. And this is coming out to be very much a almost a horror yeah. book. Uh, and we'll see that a lot in what the main villain is in this uh, in this first arc. But uh, it's it's a new team. the The Justice League Dark team so far is uh, led by Wonder Woman. There's Detective Chimp Bobo. Uh, Kirk Langstrom, Manbat, Swamp Thing, and Zatanna. And right from the first issue, we saw appearances from John Constantine, uh, Jason Blood, uh, Deadman was in there. And so it was just like all these little cameos of Lucifer. different magic users. Yeah, it was, uh, it was full of everybody. Uh, this issue actually kicks off with a flashback. So we see Diana having a memory from when she was a little girl, and it talks about uh, her curiosity and you know wanting to figure out things were going on that she wasn't being told about. And uh, she followed these witches out into the forest in the middle of the night to see what they were what they're doing when they go out there. And you see the see her watching them do this crazy ceremony where it's just these nine naked witches and their bodies start melting into each other while they're doing this dance and chanting i dig it and then yeah it, it goes it goes crazy where is the vat of honey and then while to play? doing well the the vat as it appears to be a vat of honey that's what they're dancing around that and doing this chant and then this sort of three-headed uh, not really a monster, but like this three-headed ghoul. I don't know if it's some sort of god or something. Comes out of the honey, Winnie the Pooh style. Yeah. Oh, bother. And uh, it. <laughs> oh, bother. Sorry. Uh. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, that thing comes out of the honey pot, and it sees Diana over there watching, and it orders the the witches to go get her so she has all these like these there are three it's, this is hard to even explain it it's, <laughs> it's three so the witches have all melded like in in threes they melded into one sort of body so there's these trip three triple witches <laughs> that are that are all chasing after her and mm. then this other three-bodied thing that came out of the honeypot uh, chasing after her as well. And the flashback ends when they catch her and the, the triple-bodied leader brands her on the forehead with something. Hmm. And then it cuts back to, to current time where we see Wonder Woman and the, the League are fighting these reanimated... Uh, deceased magic users who have been killed as a result of all the wacky stuff that's going on with magic. You know, magic is dying, and this all stems back to uh, the Tree of Wonder that we saw show up in No Justice. Mm. 
So basically, they finish taking out these these reanimated monsters, and uh, then they go off to see uh, Doctor Fate because they need to speak to Nabu, who was the original, uh, I believe, the original wielder of the helmet that Doctor Fate wears, and you know, so that whoever wears that helmet is just possessed by the helmet and you know becomes dr fate and it moves you know person to person uh if you've watched things like uh the justice league cartoon and uh i think we even saw some in young yeah there was some in young justice i believe i think there was a couple episodes of young justice where we saw dr fate uh, involved and uh wally ended up wearing the helmet mm-hmm. and then to free him Zatanna's father, Zatara, who was alive, he's deceased in the comics, but he was alive in uh, in the cartoon. He took the helmet, you know, he volunteered to to be, you know, bound to the helmet to mm-hmm. release Wally. Yada, yada. So it, it it goes back and forth through different people. Yeah, and you you, but, uh, you, uh, you wield the power once you wear the helmet. Yeah, but you know, it you're you're basically imprisoned, right, you know, and right. you know, to, it's not like you have giving your life away. Right. It's not like you have the the willpower over it. Yeah, it's it's the helmet is not an Airbnb helmet that you just <laughs> go have the helmet for the weekend and then you fuck off back home. Yeah. Uh, I you know and really really important I think to do is to nod to respect the source material. If not mistaken, this was actually uh Dr. Fate was inspired by Jim Carrey's The Mask. Um very similar with once you, you take the mask, you put it on. It doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not you wearing a mask. It's more of the mask wearing you uh, and kind of, uh, you know, bending you to its will. So very fantastic. Uh, uh, if anyone has never seen or heard of the mask with Jim Carrey, I highly recommend it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, very, very deep film. So. And actually, if if you want to go into that, you can go into uh, some of the mask comics, and there were even like crossovers with uh, Batman and Joker. Oh my God, what? dude, that was like I, I used to think that was like not real. I thought that was fake. I think some of that was. I think the comic stuff was before the movie. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Uh, back to the issue here yeah they're going to see they want to speak to dr fate more importantly speak directly to nabu about what's going on here so uh we see them uh show up in massachusetts and they roll up to the uh the tower of fate Mm. so they get inside there explain to dr fate that well dr fate has to allow them inside it doesn't have doors or windows so he he allows them inside and they explain to him that you know this is every you know, he he already knows everything that's going on, but they're explaining to him why they're there and that they need to speak to Nabu. Mm. Uh, so he agrees to allow uh, Wonder Woman and Zatanna; they can come in and to speak to Nabu. But you know, the, these other guys, uh, Swamp Thing, stays outside because he goes to inspect the tree. You know, he's got some other stuff that he wants to investigate. So Doctor Fate tells them, "Well, Wonder Woman and Zatanna, you can." You can come. I'll, I'll take you to speak to Zata, uh, to Nabu, but the words are not for these guys. So Langstrom and uh, and Bobo have to stay outside, and so they just roam around the tower while while they're waiting. Mm. Uh, 
at that point it cuts to we see Swamp Thing outside at the Tree of Wonder and Constantine shows up and as usual Constantine knows what Swamp Thing is up to and gives him a, a verbal lashing for basically he he can already see that Swamp Thing is turning his back on the cause and he's just you know ready to go back to the Parliament of Trees and just take his place there and let whatever happens happen to, to man. Hmm. So he gives him a verbal lashing and uh, you sort of suspect that uh, he'll be the one that brings him back around and hopefully we see John become part of the Justice League Dark uh, real soon. I like how he's just being a dick and like talking shit, especially in that first issue when he comes around. Yeah, and just, well like, that's, you know, yeah. Sort of his style, classic, right? <laughs> classic, yeah, just being a ball ache. Just, uh, just, give, just really and giving it to the old Zatna. <laughs> the Swamp Thing that we get in this, uh, so the art in this is Alvaro Martinez. We yeah. saw him do, I think he was doing some of the detective comic stuff when Tynan was writing that. Mm-hmm. And his Swamp Thing is, you know, he's got like the, the big long dreads and the, the beard, beard and yeah. everything. And speaking of which, the the variant cover is it Capullo? For both of these first two issues, yeah, the Capullo variants. Man, seeing Capullo doing his Swamp Thing and his Man Bat and Zatanna too. His Zatanna is awesome. Yeah, I I love how he but, draws that uh, Swamp Thing beard and like the mm. the marshy like. Yeah, it's it's really sick, dude. So I remember him teasing a while back um, a lot of Swamp Thing work. Was it was it covered? Yeah, I, it? I, uh, I believe he has a, a Swamp Thing project that's coming. Has he announced uh, that yet? A Swamp Thing thing he's going to be doing. Uh, I feel like something may have been said about it, but I'm trying to remember if it was like an official announcement or just something that he and or Scott spilled the beans on. I think he willed it too, because for a while, right. um, I remember when he yeah. had just come off of uh, Metal and... He was like on Twitter, like just joking around. He's like, "Hmm, I wonder what I should draw next." And it was like really rough Swamp Thing sketches. And I think he was like saying stuff like, "I, I wish someone would." I think it was like very like tongue in cheek and really snot nosed. I wish someone would just let me draw a really cool character that I've been wanting to do for a while. And it was like a full page Swamp Thing piece that I think he just did just to put it out there. So I wonder mm. if at one point DC was like, "All right, we fucking hear you," you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh, it looks amazing, you know. We got some good swamp yeah, thing. Yeah, swamp thing's great. Yeah. We we got some swamp thing from Kelly Jones a couple years back. Uh, didn't Fa- Fabic did some swamp thing? Uh, with yeah, Tom yeah, King. we had uh, the the swamp thing win- winter special. Yeah, that was an outstanding issue. Yeah, and then uh, Capullo swamp thing. So swamp thing getting a lot of love. But I've been digging it. Wait. Which Swamp Thing needed because, you know, last year, was it? yeah, it's going back to last year now, uh, we lost both Bernie Wrightson and Len Wein, right. uh, co-creators of Swamp Thing, within, uh, I think, about three months of each other. Yeah, it's so crazy, so, dude. Swamp Thing needed some good news. Yeah. Um, who who drew it for uh, the Tom King? Was it an annual or was it? No, was it an annual? It was uh, Batman Annual Number 1 with Tom King. It was a Swamp Thing issue. I don't oh no, that was uh, that was just uh, that wasn't even that. Uh, the annual number one was the um, 
the Ace the Bat Hound story with Dave Finch, mm -hmm. and then Annual 2 was the Batman Catwoman thing. What was this one So uh, the issue that you're thinking about, that was just, uh, it wasn't an annual or anything. It was, it was a tweener. Just, you know, one of the issues in the middle of the run. Yeah, and uh, that was Mitch Garrods that did the art on that. Fuck, that was good. That was a good yeah, issue. Yeah, that was a really good issue, too. Definitely check that yeah, out. Yeah, uh, Swamp Thing and Bruce sitting in, you know, in one of the rooms in Wayne Manor and Alfred bringing them, bringing in tea and sandwiches and shit and sweeping up leaves off the floor. <laughs> and Swamp Thing, like, fucking loses it at one point where it looks like... Yeah, he killed that dude, like, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I love that issue. That was a great issue. It shows you, like, Swamp Thing is fucking... He's a motherfucking monster, dude. I love how yeah, um, literally it. Yeah, was it was it the uh, Harley? Was it Harley and Batman the animated t uh, the animated thing that had him in it? And it basically showed again showed off how he's just this insane monster. I think it was that. Yeah, I think it was in that, and uh, he was briefly, I think, in the Justice League Dark animated movie. Dude, Am I, I remember in that? I still have right? to see that. I still haven't seen that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah it, it has, I'm, if I remember right, it has uh, an appearance from Swamp Thing, and it has a giant poop monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, back to Justice League Dark. So we have Dr. Fate taking Zatanna, Zatna, and Zatna. Wonder Woman to see Naboo. And we're, I think uh, Constantine and Swamp Thing were onto I think Swamp Thing might have been onto it, uh, what may have been going on. But we eventually find out that uh, this is not uh, Dr. Fate that's really there with them, that the one that they thought they were speaking to. This is really Naboo. Damn. Uh, who has taken back over as Dr. Fate and has been controlling the tower. Uh, we get our, actually our first glimpse of that is while Kirk and Bobo are walking around in, uh, in the tower. They're sort of tripping out, you know, while they're walking through these rooms. They, it's sort of like uh, in Labyrinth, you know, in the Goblin King's castle where, you know, the different stairs and walls and ceilings are all in different places and physics don't matter. Mm. So they're they're sort of experiencing a lot of that, you know, walking in different uh, orientations from each other. And Kirk picks up this uh, this vase with uh, a picture of a boy on it, and it looks like it's waving to him. And he holds it out, and like he means for Bobo to to look at it, but he drops it, and it smashes. And the boy that's in the picture on it comes out and he shows up there in the room and he starts trying to warn them that uh, uh, his name is Khalid Nasur and he used to be Dr. Fate and he reveals that Kent Nelson hasn't been in control of the helmet or the tower for weeks and it's actually Naboo and Naboo is the one who is bringing the other kind to Earth you know, so that's what they've been fighting off here is this, this approaching uh, monster Dude, that is a fucking terrifying, like, description. You pick up a vase in a strange place. You see a fucking kid in an image of a kid in the vase waving at you. 
Holy shit, that's fucking creepy. And you hold it out. It smashes on the floor, and this fucking kid comes out and just, like, starts... Doesn't his, like, face melt, too? Yeah, uh, so while he's uh, warning them, I assume it's Nabu, you know, feels that this is happening, and he just sort of melts the dude's mouth shut. Jesus. And then you just see him break into pieces. He breaks into fragments, and then all the fragments go back over to the pedestal where the vase was, and it just reconstitutes the vase. The fuck's wrong with Tynan, bro? So, uh, while they're sitting there watching this happen, yeah, he's messed up. <laughs> uh, I don't know who hurt him, but <gasps> so we cut back to uh, Zatna and Wonder Woman with who they think is Doctor Fate, but is actually an Abu. And this is where he reveals to them that they're fucked, and it's too late for them. He's He's allowing the other kind into Earth so magic will die and the Earth will be at peace. And he tells them that you know he, he has great respect for the Justice League and while this is all done, when this is over, they'll, they'll see that what he was doing was just. Hmm. But uh, you know they, they, they try to take him down. It doesn't go too well. He puts a, a bit of a whooping on them and then just, just pieces out. And after he leaves, this is where the big shit happens. <laughs> so Wonder Woman and Zatanna are you know, left in the, this, the darkness of this room. And the character who was introduced in the previous issue shows up. Yeah. The Upside Down. Yeah. So he is this pale white-skinned creature-looking thing who actually walks upside down. So like he's it looks like he's walking on the ceiling of the room. And he just has this giant shark-toothed mouth in his face. Yeah. And uh the 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 coolest thing aside from how cool he looks the coolest part of this page is the uh, the narration on the page. Uh, so it's referencing back to that uh, that scene at the beginning from when Diana was a child and how frightened she was. It, sa- it says on this page, for the second time in her life, Diana stood frozen in the face of true horror, and mm. she wanted to scream. Damn. And then the upside-down man is there looking at the two of them and you can tell he has a messed up voice by you know this griggly uh, speech bubble that's coming out of him and he says now who shall I eat first gross yeah it's yeah, kind yeah. of fucked up James has some problems <laughs> it uh he looks like um the face in like the, in the uh the xenomorphs and the face huggers when when the the face huggers yeah, first yeah. attach to you and then the xenomorph first busts out of your chest, he looks like like mm. a like a version of like the newborn bust chest buster xenomorph like a like you know what I mean? It looks like that face. Yeah, combined with Chatterer from yeah. Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The Thanabite. Yeah, and uh, what is the what is the 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 thing from The Last of Us? Is it the clicker? I forget what the clickers uh, face All of the like. clickers. Yeah, yeah, the clickers in The Last of Us, yeah. So, that uh, misty voice. 
I know you said that um, it's kind of got like a horror vibe to it. it totally does. And yeah. what I'm what I'm thinking when I saw like that first issue, the first issue, I think it was leaning more towards the introduction and explaining how like magic ties into it and what's happening with magic. This one totally felt like it had that horror vibe through the whole issue. And yeah. Like if they ever make a Justice League Dark live movie, this would be fucking perfect. Like make it a fucking yeah, horror be... movie. You know, make it just a straight straight up horror movie with this with this character just scaring the fucking shit out of you every turn in the in the movie and then you got Zatanna and Constantine and oh god, that would be fucking badass, dude. And imagine how well that movie would do if they used exactly this version of the story. So it was this uh, iteration of the Justice League Dark. Fuck. So, you know, having, you know, Gal Gadot Wonder Woman in it. Yeah. Dr. Fate on the big screen would be absolutely amazing. Even if it is, you know, the previous and let's iterations. Just, let's just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And let's just go ahead and fan cast uh, this upside down man right now. Andy Sarkis. Yeah, yeah, that that works. I was thinking Zach El- Zach Galifianakis. Would <laughs> <but>, yeah. <laughs> be pretty good, Zach Galifianakis. Who else? Yeah, I Andy mean, Circus would kill that though. Um, may he rest in peace, Vern Troyer. Oh yeah. I mean, but this this guy uh he this guy looks kind of full size though. Oh, does he? He's like a, he's like a fully grown. Yeah, I think he's tall. Like it looks like he has black pants. Okay. But you like you can see, you know, pale white feet and then his upper body. So, yeah, I th- I think he's a full size guy or whatever he is. I th- I have for it some is. reason for some reason I thought he was like uh, like impish or like uh, you know, like a little person. But uh, you, you know, Vern Troyer is is larger than life, so he could have been uh, portraying somebody. But who else would be? Uh, have you ever seen like I've never seen it, but there's a show called The Middle. And it's it looked like it kind of tried to copy like Malcolm in the Middle or like the Goldbergs kind of, and it had this kid. Oh, uh, is that the one where is that the Mini Driver one? I don't know. There's a maybe. There's a kid. I think the oh, mom. Oh no, never mind. Never mind. It's the janitor. Yeah, I it's know the, what you're talking. The janitor from Scrubs is the dad, I think, and the mom is the mom from Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes. And then yes, the, the little kid. The the little kid is the kid from Hancock, and he like he has that condition where he doesn't like age. He just looks like Andy Milanakis. Like he doesn't grow yeah. up. He just looks like he's twelve all his life. That kid would yeah. play a good, a good like creepy ass. Like just shave that kid's head, you know? Yeah. And then just put some weird teeth on him, and he can be the upside down man. Not to say that he looks like like weird or anything like that. I'm just saying that that kid that kid could probably. Know. <laughs> Ugh. Here come the letters. Here come the emails. Oh, yeah. Well, just you, you can look forward to you know, ten years from now, you'll get fired for having said that. I know, right? And I hope uh, if anybody is offended by that, please uh, correct with the condition that it is. Uh, Andy, Mil- I think it's like what Andy Milanakis has. But you know, Andy Milanakis just looks like he's twelve. It doesn't look like he has any like medical problems or medical issues. These other kids sometimes look like theirs. Uh, something else that they might have like an ailment where they kind of um, <clears throat> they look a little I don't know I don't want to be disrespectful for anyone who might be listening that has this so if anything correct us so, god damn it <laughs> I, th- I think I think Keanu Reeves has it too but like he, he oh, yeah. had it like late onset 
he's he's looked the same for like the last twenty years. Why can I ever so say either it he's got that? Mind. <laughs> yeah. So I either he has that condition or he has like some fucked up Dorian Gray painting up in up in his attic. Yeah. Him and Patrick Stewart. Just never <laughs> Yeah. But all right, some good Justice League, some good J JLD. What's uh, what's next JLD. on the old agenda? Teens, Teen Titans. Uh, the last thing that I read, yeah, was Teen Titans. Let's do it. Let's bring it home. So this is, uh, I want to say this is the second issue. Yeah, there's the Teen Titans special that introduced the new team, and then this is the second issue of the actual run. So this is written by Adam Glass with art by Bernard Chang, and he's just fucking excellent. Hmm. So uh, the new team is led by Damien. Uh, then we've got Kid Flash. Uh, you know, I guess I, I think now we call him Wallace West. Is that his full name? Uh, because Wally, uh, I well, I think I think he's I think we call him Wallace now because. The, like actual Wally West, you know, redheaded Wally West Came is back, back in yeah. comics. Yeah, so I think uh, I think we're calling him Wallace now. Uh, so them, uh, Lobo's daughter, I believe her name was Crush. Mm. Uh, Red Arrow, Gypsy, who is like an actual genie. Or no, she's called Jin, and uh, she's a genie. That uh, Damien rescued. So uh, it's it's a pretty fun new team. the 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 book is sort of lighthearted most of the time, but like the everything with this new team kicked off with uh, Damien sort of going back to the way he was when we met him. You know, like he he faced off this situation with uh, Black Mask. Mm-hmm. Where he went into one of Black Mask's place and just murked all Black Mask's men. Yeah. So we had Damien going back to old Killy Pants Damien, and now he's leading this this team that are sort of like minded. That the way the Justice League uh, and the Teen Titans, uh, the, the Titans, you know, all the all the older heroes, the way they're doing things are outdated and ineffective. Mm-hmm. So they've just uh, gone off on their own to start doing things their way. So uh, this is sort of, it's sort of still in the early going, so it's just them going out on their initial missions and, you know, occasionally fucking up but getting the job done along the way. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun, uh, a fun lighthearted book so far, and uh, I have pretty high hopes for it. Uh, it's a pretty good team. You know, some it's nice to get fresh characters in that we don't see in everything mm. and uh it, it it's cool some of the some of the things that we can get uh with having a, a fresh characters in there like having a genie you know like how many times you get a genie on a team so she is this genie that Damien had uh he sort of knew what she was she was like you know living in a shithole, taking care of all these uh, stray animals because no one else was there to take care of them. And uh, she had been trapped in this ring. You know, some genies, like, live in a lamp. Uh, she was. She had been trapped in this ring 
for like thousands of years and now that she's free she just keeps the ring for herself hmm. but uh, there's a point in this book where to do what uh, they need her to do she can't just access those powers on her own uh, on her own free will she has to be instructed by a master uh, to do to execute this uh, so she you know points out that you know this is the ring I was trapped in the string for a thousand years and I swore that I would never let anyone be my master again mm. but to save lives she you know, trusts Damien with the ring you know to to be her temporary master so he can instruct her uh, to do what needs to be done here interesting so it's a, yeah it's a, it's a cool dynamic of the team and if you haven't been reading any of the Teen Titan stuff or if you were reading it before and haven't jumped on with this it's it's still nice and early to uh, to jump in and check it out and this issue may or may not um, it's I say may or may not not because I'm teasing or anything but because it's it's left up in the air it may or may not feature the death of one of the new team members already damn and we got splody splody killy killy damien back exactly killy pants damien stabby stabby damien. just the way i like him yeah murderous yeah. alfred finding dead birds in his room damien <laughs> and finding nearly dead Tim Drake in the Batcave. Yeah, just fucking all fucked up. Dude, that was probably, like, and... the the most fucked up thing I've ever, like, read, like, the most fucked up portrayal of Damien I ever read was Patrick Gleason and uh, Tomasi's, what was that? Was that Batman and Robin? What was it that they were writing? I think it was Batman and Robin. New 52? Yeah, they were doing all that new Fifty Two Batman. And where Robin, where so. it was it was Damien like but legitimately that... trying to stop himself from killing, and like he's like he's telling his he's telling Bruce and like Alfred he's like you guys would be really proud like you know I, I'm really dedicating myself to this, and then Alfred goes and looks under his bed and finds like a trunk and he opens it and there's a fucking dead bird in it, and Alfred is like just so <laughs> sad to find it, and I remember thinking like that is so fucked up, dude. Sad I think it was also in New 52 like it was real early in it like talking like issue 1 or 2 um, where Bruce I forget who it was that Bruce had gone out uh, to track down you know whatever whatever villain Bruce had gone out to, to find uh, Damien gets to him first like goes off on his own finds the guy first yeah. and just cuts his fucking head off yeah <laughs> and he doesn't he toss it to like Batman <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go back and read that again. Chucks it at his feet and like, "What have you done?" <laughs> I loved it. Good shit. Yeah. All right, that is a that was a massive stack that we got. We didn't even go over everything. Let me see. What else? Just so the readers know, yeah. so the listeners know what else is out there this week. We got. Uh, let me see here. We got the stack. There's Suicide. Ah, blah, blah. Suicide Squad Annual Number One. <laughs> The Silencer number eight, Scooby Doo team up yes. forty one. Oh, you know what, dude? Had, had you been keeping up with uh, Mother Panic, the first run, or uh, I have. I I need to catch up on this uh, this AD run. It looks it looks like uh, this this looks very intriguing, very awesome story. I, I flipped through the art. The art's fantastic. 
uh, very very cool art and everything in this book looks fucking sick so if you're if you're into like um, if you're into out Elseworld stuff. This is definitely something along those lines that people will definitely like. Uh, Flash fifty three. Uh, cannot say enough good things about Joshua Williamson. And um, we covered the uh, Flash War uh, run, and that that is that was a great great uh, run. Uh, so this is kind of the aftermath of Flash War. Um, uh, very great. This who's the artist on uh, Flash over here? We get uh, this is I think. Uh, this is not who normally does it, but it's like the way it transitions very well. I can't read it right now. We'll get it later. Anyways, um, dude, Damage already has an annual. Damage has been out for like a year. I guess that new. Uh, uh, I they, they don't they don't really have to be a year in. Like you'll see, even after like look at things like. Well, I'm gonna, Batman I'm gonna write already has. Two annuals oh. and other books, you know, got to annual number one got it. after Batman had done annual number two. So, like, you know, they just, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a year in. They just do it when they do it. <laughs> got it. Um, Batman Beyond, new issue of Batman Beyond that's out. Um, is Joshua Williamson writing this as well? It's the same creative team for Flash right now? No way. Or is this Jurgens? Why does it have two different people on the cover? It says uh, Williamson on this cover, or is this... Oh, okay. I think I know why. Let me get to the credits page. This is written by Dan Jurgens with Will Conrad's art. What is the deal with this cover, though? Okay, that looks weird. I don't know what's going on there. But anyways, uh, Wonder Woman 53 is out. The Terrifics as well. Uh, nice, nice little big old stack. So definitely go to the comic book shop, check out the books, check out the ones that we talked about. Um listen to uh, our uh, last couple episodes of the uh, the stack as well as some of the interviews that we got going on uh, rate and review us uh, drop us an email hit us up on Twitter hit us up on Instagram if there's stuff that we uh, are not covering that you love uh, definitely let us know because yeah if, if we're not covering stuff because you know, we obviously can't be trusted we just spent over an hour talking yeah. about four issues exactly so yeah we we can't do everything. Big, uh, big shout out right now to a Falco Kick. That guy's always sending us his rants and his tweets, and he's always in the comment section on Instagram at Falco Kick. Big old chicken ball shout out. Uh, big old shout out to Sean Rice. And he loves. Uh, I, th- I think. Uh, I think Falco Kick would uh, love a little Dan Didio shout out. <laughs> Just gotta tell you something about Falco Kick is that uh, you know this guy is always he's always so supportive. You know he's he's reading the books, he reads the comics, and he goes to his shop, he reads, he does his homework, he comes, and he he gets into the discussion. I love that. <laughs> um, also, Rogues Gallery Designs, uh, good friend of the Bad Force, designs pins, and he's got some really cool designs uh, recently that he put out. Most recent that he had is uh, let me check it out right here. It's uh. At, oh my god, Rogue, what happened? Why is it not coming up when I search it? Dude, Instagram fucking sucks lately, man. I'm telling you. I just had him. Where did he go? Here, maybe I'll just go back to one of my posts. Nope, it's not even there. Rogue's Gallery Designs, where are you, sir? Anyhow, search Rogue's Gallery Designs. Or is it Rogue Gallery? Maybe that's why. Let me check that out. Rogue. Um. Here it is. It's Rogue Gallery Designs. I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, you were mixing it up with my shop. <laughs> exactly. 
Rogue Gallery Designs uh, did an awesome um, two-piece uh, Flashpoint Batman and Reverse Flash pin set. Uh, we shared that over on the Bat Force a while back. Um, he also has, I believe, a, a Dick Grayson pin as well. Um, a Jason Todd little piece that was fantastical. And a, uh, he also did a Jack Nicholson Joker, which I grabbed. Um, so yeah, definitely check him out. Great stuff. Uh, listens to the listens to the podcast regularly, so it's awesome to have his support. And uh, Robin, you got a question you got to ask uh, the listeners? Yeah, just sometimes I think that I'll never have to wonder this again. You know, it, I just get lulled into a false sense of security and. I, we we get told that things are things are different now. Things are going to change. It's, it's it's not going to go back to the way it used to be. But I still end up asking, where the fuck is the trunkler? <laughs> you know, it's going to be great when we have him on next because uh, um, this is this is not clickbait. The trunkler got rid of his entire family. As crazy as that fucking sounds, but uh, the trunkler got rid of his whole family. And we will have the grisly and gruesome details the next time we have them on the episode. So, and and uh, as crazy as this may sound, yesterday, maybe possibly still now, we were encountered. Uh, we encountered a situation where we had possibly still have two trunklers. Oh my god, that's right. That's right. The man in the iron that's trunk. Yeah, we'll figure out what happened. There. I wish I wish everyone could see the movie trailer. Remember the movie trailer? Yeah, dude, that was a great. I I was actually thinking about that the other night. I'm, I don't see his phone died too, so I don't know if he even has it. He used to have it for sure, but I think it's on my hard drive yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I had. Yeah, my, uh, nice. I'll have to find it. But, anyways, that's uh, that's a, so that's it from Bat Force uh, Radio. Uh, dude, I'm 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 already like out of gas. I'm already like falling over my own tongue over here but anyways check us out thanks for listening we will catch you on the flippity flip